He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellottified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta. I'm here as I am every week with my delicious, always optimistic co-host, Alexia Cristina Postalini. Opa! I'm waiting for a nod of approval on the name, always. <laughs> always. No, you did. You did great. You did great. I just want you to go back and have to try to redo that cohort bit because, you know, it's like a perfect spit take. It's a spit take for sure. Yes. <laughs> you should you should you should see the screen right now. <laughs> I was gonna greet you with salve, right? Which is the more um formal hello in Italian, but you already salved all over your computer screen, so uh, I didn't need to say it. <laughs> but I'm pumped. <laughs> but you did, Blanche. You said but it. You <laughs> did, but you did. I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> well here we are in september september it seems so odd that we are now in the beginning of the last quarter of 2023 this time just flies i i, I don't know why i even had to say it we all know it does but geez the wheeze feels like it's going fast yeah yeah but i will say this year was packed full of a lot of things so even though it flew by, I can say I have a move, starting school, mm -hmm. and international travel all under my belt in one year. So I'll chalk it up to an eventful year. Good, good. So you feel like you've been productive I so do. far this year. Yeah, good. yeah. Hopefully you as well. I do. I do. I feel that I, I am, I've been, yeah, fairly productive this year, I suppose. It's hard to pat yourself on the back. <laughs> it's really, really hard. Yeah, I just you know what we say in the theater, Anthony. If you're gonna do it, do it with conviction. So That's if you're right, gonna say it, it, say it with conviction. That's right. And no excuses. <laughs> no excuses. Next. <laughs> Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead, we'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! So what's going on with you? What's on your mind? What do you got to tell me? What do you got to share? Let's get tipsy! Well, I was thinking about today's tipsy and our guest today. And so I thought I would take a stab at helping people find their creativity. So that's today's tipsy. So I'd like to start off by suggesting that at its core, creativity is puzzle solving with an appropriate set of tools. Let me say that again. Creativity is puzzle solving with an appropriate set of tools and that it's accessible to each of us when the right approach is taken. 
So what are those tools and what is that approach you ask? Oh, well, let's start with the approach. Number one, take a breath or two or even 10. Breathing keeps you centered as you resist the temptation to search your mind for that one original idea that has never been seen or done and in such remains elusive to you. And instead, focus on all that you do know. I call them the five W's, the who, what, when, why, and where about the puzzle or issue at hand. What you do know will bring you closer to a creative solution than what you don't. Number two, take another deep breath. Listen, I was a non-believer about breathing too, but I assure you it helps, so do it. And allow your mind to go where it instinctively wants to go, which is in search of connections to any and all information you have related to that issue. You may have already made mental note of a few, and maybe you even discounted them for one reason or another, but now you're going to refer to them as low hangers, a reference to fruit more effortlessly picked from the tree, and continue to explore additional connections, 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 connections. Not unlike a physician diagnosing an illness or detective building a case, your goal is to leave no stone unturned in your exploration for connective tissue. The connections you instinctively make will lead you in the right direction. Number three, head up, eyes, ears, and mind open for any new information that, by the way, will likely come from the most unexpected place when you least expect it. That's why you always need to be aware, mindful, and present. Be aware of that new information as it comes to you. And remember that all connections have merit until they don't, which is to say, keep an open mind. And number four, your tools. Well, they're nothing more than your breadth of knowledge and vocabulary on the given issue. The wider your expanse of knowledge and skill to speak to it, the more connective tissue you'll find, the more likely you are to find a creative solution that best aligns. And that is indeed the point, right? Being creative is not about coming up with original ideas. It's not magic, nor does it happen in a vacuum. It's about deriving inspiration from all that you know and can know to build as much connective tissue as you can with the intention of finding a creative solution. Because at the end of the day, the creativity that appears to come from thin air really does not. It comes from information, communication, reflection, and patience. And that is Matipsy. So it bears asking, what would Yaya say to that tipsy? Oh, you just brought me back to the sweetest memory. Now I have a lot of memories of Yaya. I don't have a lot of sweet. Clearly, not a lot of sweet. Not a lot of sweet memories. And this is a sweet memory, especially when you talked about keeping your mind open, right? Um, and it, it, we were walking down in the yard. I don't know why she and I were taking a walk and it was spring and there was all the dandelions. It turned to little, little puff balls. And I made a comment about, you know, wish we could get rid of them. They're ugly. And she said to me, and this one, it, this one I have to really recall. So bear with me. Y anictes cardies que tamiala da frunomor fría se apinata meri. 
Apithana Mary. Sorry. It's all right. We we knew you made the mistake when you when you made it. By the way. We were all <laughs> yeah, there, like, knew. what is wrong you with her knew. Greek? You knew. You right. knew. You knew. And what does that mean? It means open hearts and minds will find beauty in unlikely places. Oh, that is beautiful. Isn't that she went on to kind of school me about all the goodness a dandelion has to offer? So you look at it and you see this thing, but if you open your heart and your mind. Your world of creativity, it'll open, right? And I mean, there are so many things you can do with a dandelion. You can make um, tea, vinegar, wine out of a dandelion. You can use every part of the dandelion raw or cooked. You can eat every single part of it. It's considered one of the most nutritionally dense greens there is, chock full of vitamins A, B, C, and potassium. And then, you know, Yaya just picked off a leaf right then and there and ate it. How does it taste? You know, I've only ever really had dandelion uh, tea, but it is kind of funny because recently I have been in search of dandelion greens so that I can saute them. I imagine it, it's, you know, probably stronger than spin. Oh, well, I know it tastes a little bit like a raw, it tastes like arugula because I've had dandelion greens in a salad. So, it's, so it's got that kind of bitter, spicy, unctuous, wonderful flavor. I just wondered because you didn't mention how good it tastes in your description of it. So I figured it must not. Oh, taste. no, no, no. In a salad, if you like arugula, you'll like dandelion greens. A little bit of arugula. Oh, I, I could say. have a or whole entire arugula salad with, of arugula. With something else in it, really. Mm. Arugula, beets, and goat cheese, and candied walnuts, and you're good. I just always wonder why nobody's named arugula. What a beautiful <laughs> name. Arugula. Come here. Well, so, you know what? From here, from on, here on out, you will hence be known as my little arugula. Okay, dry chives. Touche, touche, touche. And with that, let's meet our guest. Okay. Yes. So excited. Our guest mm -hmm. today has been a leading force within the event industry since 1989, when he founded AOO Events. As the company's CEO and creative director, he guided AOO to its place as an award-winning event production and creative agency of high-profile live events, winning over 30 national and international awards. Mm -hmm. But when COVID hit, he became a design and production expert of several platforms producing virtual events. This year, he won the coveted Biz Bash Event Style Award in the category of virtual conferences. He has been a sought after industry speaker for the past 15 years. And personally, he has been honored with a variety of recognition from Designer of the Year from Event Solutions and the ILEA Klaus Inkamp Lifetime Achievement Award. I certainly hope I pronounced that all right. To the Steve Kemble Leadership Award. And we love ourselves some Steve Kemble. Please welcome the inimitable David Merrill. Yo. Hello. hello. Hi, My David. gosh, what a, it always sounds better on paper, doesn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> How are you guys? Just Good. dandy and just smiling from ear to ear because you agreed to join us today. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled I, that you asked. Oh, thank you. I, I want to gush over you for just a moment or two. Um, when we called you and you said yes, the, the first thing that came to mind for me was 
it will be so nice to have someone on the podcast who is not only really, really terrific at what they do, a real professional, but so heartful and humble and has such humanity about him, humanity about him that I'm just so, 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 so happy to have you on. I just see you that way. You know, you're not a braggart. You don't run around saying how fabulous you are and all the fabulous things you do. You really have to dig to find those things because that's just not who you are. And it, it just, it just makes me feel so good. So I hope you don't mind Thank me you. sharing that with the audience. I, it almost, it brought a tear to my eye. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. I appreciate totally it. heartfelt okay. and meant and 100% real. All okay. right. So with that, let's get, let's have some fun. So, okay. All right. We have this thing called, you know, the 10 quick questions, 10 quick questions. Yay! It helps our audience get to know you a little better. Questions that oh, we boy. came up with, fast answers. Alex has the clock, two minutes. Just the first thing that comes to your head. You ready? Oh boy. Oh boy. Let's Take do a it. Deep breath. Let's, Let's breathe. All right. I'm here. All right. Number one Do you eat with your eyes? Always. Always eat with the eyes. And I started as a caterer in the industry, so I knew that before anything else. Um, so you absolutely eat with your eyes. I didn't realize you started as a caterer. Yeah. Uh, wow. All right, number two, which of these Merrill shoe styles would your team use to describe your work style? A, ultra flip, B, chameleon, C, hydro runner. I would say chameleon. Um, I would definitely would say chameleon because that's that's really how we adapt. We adapt to our, our clients' wants and needs, not our own. So right. we have to adapt to them. Yeah. 100%. All right, number three, your life is but a pizza. What is it topped with? Uh, uh, um, <laughs> I'm just going to go literal on this one. Pepperoni, uh, sausage, black olives, and pepperoncinis. That's, mm. that's, that's my go-to. Yeah, there's, there's no metaphor there. It's just what I eat. It sounds good to me. <laughs> In high school, jock or drama? Jock and drama. Oh, I, I was, oh, yeah, oh yes. I was... I was the captain of the football team. I was the president of the senior class, and I was also the lead in many of the musicals. So I was a conundrum. Oh yeah, Ohio. Ohio in the '70s was very confused by me. Oh, Wait a minute, where did you go to school? <laughs> I have to ask. I'm sorry. I know these are quick questions. Uh, Geneva High School in the northeast corner of Ohio okay. in the '70s. Yeah. Very small town. Very small town. Five thousand yeah. in the winter and about fifty thousand in the summer when they all come uh yeah. right, on, right on lake erie so that's why they all came yeah it looks beautiful yeah. actually yeah. did a little stalking there uh <laughs> I, I think that's probably why you're so nice too you come from ohio and i'm definitely a salt of the earth i was yes. i was raised to be humble and to be um inclusive of everyone around me regardless of how they looked who they are um what they were there for so I've always we love your parents we love your parents yeah, we love me that. too. <laughs> good. Well, makes two of us. That's good. All right, number five. What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? Jeez, <laughs> um, the one thing I wish I could stop doing. 
procrastinating and working out. <laughs> I wish I would just work out more often, but I, I'm, I'm in a constant battle on that. And I know it's important for me, but sometimes just watching TV seems more um, appealing than going to work out. Sometimes. I think that would be it. Yeah, every well, time sometimes i'm in the mood sometimes i'm in the mood but many times i'm not but you know it's not working out is not for the the uh for the appearance it's really for the mindset the re-mindset um and i don't do it enough um even though i go three days a week i feel i should go every day and it's mostly because that's the only thing that sets resets my mind as a business owner as a creative i understand that completely mm-hmm. uh do you like to entertain at home? <laughs> that's funny because I haven't, since we've moved to this new house, we have not entertained at all, but that's largely because I now have a historic house with original 100, 100 year old wood floors and I don't want anybody in there tracking on them. Um, but now that's gone because I have a puppy and that basically is, she's tearing them apart. Um, but I, I used to, I, 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 I I entertain for small groups now because it's something that I can handle, but usually when it's a big group, I don't want to be involved in the planning. I'd rather have my team do it. So we haven't done any entertaining for a long time and I need to. Oh, see, there's that guilt coming in. Uh, I'm your favorite flavor of ice cream. What flavor am I? Chocolate. Every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're so compadre. I didn't realize all this. Okay, number eight. Have you ever lost your cookies in public? <laughs> um, no, I never have. Uh, I was just thinking about that. It's like, no, I can, never, I can never think of a time where I just completely lost it. I've seen other people lose it. And I always sit back and go, ooh, I, I wish they knew what they were looking like. Right. I'm, uber, I'm uber aware of outer appearances. And so even when I feel like exploding or losing my cookies, I try not to. Mm, and this is something I've learned over the years. I mean, when I was younger in my career and younger, I, I, I did explode more. But that was when I was in my 20s and 30s. Now I'm, I'm much wiser. Mm. Um, so. Now that you're in your 40s. Uh, yeah, now, now, I love you. I know. Me too. <laughs> uh, can you spell hors d'oeuvre? Uh, H-O-R-S, the apostrophe, O-U-E-V-R-E-S. Is that so right? It's, it's O-E-U-V. Oh, I got, oh, I always get those first, those letters. I different. do too. <laughs> but the d'oeuvres. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. That was good. That, that's where it gets tricky. Uh, what about Shivari? Can you spell that? C H I V A R I or R R I? I've seen it spelled both ways. Okay, neither one. C H I A V A R I. Shiavari? Yeah, I know. I I know. I had to. Anyway, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to go there. I just thought maybe you would. This is not a spelling quiz. I'm sorry. (laughs) Last question. I'm sorry. I didn't warn you. We'll take the focus <laughs> off you now. Last question. Poor Alex. She's the one color in your swatch you barely ever look at anymore. What color is she? Oh my God, there's not a color I don't look at. I try to keep myself open all the time. I don't think I could even come up with a color. I can come well, up with colors I don't prefer, but I still look at them. <laughs> I guess that so, would be I, that'd be green, but I... 
I still look at it and I still know it's essential to design. So um, I don't think there's anything that I, 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 I cut out of my existence because by doing that, you start putting up walls and, and, and I'm, I, I won't let that happen. But much to your opening where you were saying, you know, it's about ex expanding your horizons, stopping the smell of the roses. It's what I have to do all the time because one of the biggest fears for a designer is becoming irrelevant. And I have seen my friends are like, I don't like that kind of music or I don't like the way those people are talking. And it's like, you know, you have to be open to everything and the way the world's changing because if you're not, you're not evolving. And as a designer, that is probably the biggest death toll or death knell that you could have is closing yourself off to experiences. 100%. So I, I try not to limit myself in colors or anything. Good answer. It and is Alex a very good answer. It too. It, I had this fear, I'm not going to lie, because I, I didn't realize that you had written down that question, Anthony. It's very funny that you were going to say puce. And then I thought, great, I <laughs> shall forever be known as the pucey dry chive. Yeah, no, no, we, we wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what then? What? Are, so then uh, you agree with the tipsy? Anything that um, you disagreed with or anything that you'd like to add to that? No, I, I think that your emphasis on, you know, um, keeping yourself open to all experiences is probably the one thing that we sh in this industry should all be paying attention to. I've seen friends and family close themselves off to experiences because they just don't want to be a part of it. Uh, there's been so much polarizing in the last five to six years that now everyone's on one side or the other. And that's sad because then you close yourself off to other possibilities, other ideas. And as a designer um, and as a person in the events industry, we have to be open to all ideas. We may not like, put it in your terms, we may not look like big band music, but our clients do. So we have to be, we have to be proficient at everything, so we can offer the best solutions to our clients, and that's the way I I, I basically go through life now. And that goes hand in hand with um, something I saw that you uh, had on on a slide. I did some digging. Um, you said event design is not egocentric. Would you like to no. expand on that? No, and this is the one thing I'm trying to teach some of my employees right now is that they many times we design for what we like. Mm -hmm. And and so one of the biggest problems I have with my clients is they are my 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 employees is they come to me with ideas that are really things that I can say that is so him or her. Um, but they're not paying attention to what the client likes. They're, they're paying too much attention to what they like. Now that's great if you're an artist selling paintings, <laughs> so because you're selling your own personal brand. But our job is to actually adapt to our clients' desires and needs and wants. And so I would never, I think it would be a death to look to uh, close yourself off to every experience like that. May I ask from a design and event design perspective, how do you then approach uh, doing just that, ensuring that whatever design you present to a client, it will include uh, the client's uh yeah what you feel is going to appeal to the client yeah it, it's a little tougher in the corporate world than in the social world in the social world when you're meeting a bride or groom or a mother and father for a bar bat mitzvah you're sitting in their house you can get the clues pretty quickly on what they like what they don't like in a corporate world you don't always have that option so 
um, asking questions over and over, um, uh, asking additional questions, listening especially to what they mean, not what they say, mm -hmm. is the most important thing. And that's a skill in itself because what they say may not, you know, someone will say, oh, we have all the money in the world. Well, all the money in the world to one person, maybe $5,000 and all the money to another person, maybe $100,000. So, you know, there's interpretation to everything that comes out of a person's mouth. And, and it's important that you really pay attention to what they mean, not what they say, but what they mean. And sometimes that requires asking additional questions. I have a question for you. So, mm -hmm. and I love that you want to pay more attention, right? It's about what the, the client wants and their aesthetic. Have you ever come across a situation where the aesthetic, you know, in your heart really is not going to work out and if that yeah. has happened how do you deal with it yes i have we have come across it a couple of times you know what i uh, the other part of the answer for you uh, anthony is if typically if i'm not exactly sure what they want i present two different ideas to see which way they want to go um so back to your question alex what was the question again <laughs> oh how do i how do i tell them that it's not the right direction you know, sometimes you can offer all the advice in the world to someone and they're not going to take it. So all you can do is say, look, as your designer, this is what I would recommend. However, if you want to go this route, it's fine. But there's then I try to offer the reasons why I don't think it's right for this particular position. Um, so but sometimes I've had to go directions that I did not think were right. And but they were right for the client and they were happy with it. So we don't always agree as designers with where our clients want us to go. Um, we have to offer the alternatives. We have to explain why we think it may not be the right way. After we've checked ourselves to make sure that we're not just being biased to our own prejudices, um, but ultimately it's the client's decision. It's their money they're spending. What do you say to somebody who says, well, David, you're just selling out. You know, you're not, you're not preserving your own vision or, you're, you know, you're making compromises. I, I face this myself. So I wonder mm -hmm. how you respond to that. Um, again, we are in the business to accommodate other people's visions and to create something for them, not to create something for us. If I was an artist doing my own land, um, paintings, then of course it's going to be what I want and what I, I'm not, I'm not drawing for somebody else, but we are literally in the business to please our clients. Um, so we have to check ourselves in our own taste. And if someone thinks that, um, oh my God, you're doing a lot more hip-hop parties and it's ruining your brand and that's mm -hmm. the clientele i have right then you know it's it's you just have to kind of go i don't really have a problem with anybody thinking that i may be doing too much of the same thing my thought would be am i surrounding myself with the right clients that i want to have mm -hmm. you know if i'm going down a road i don't feel comfortable with then change the direction of the client you want to seek mm -hmm. that's a very good yeah. piece of advice yeah because you're really not going to change the client. You're going to suffer uh, trying in one way or another. You're going to suffer trying. And, and our job is to actually accommodate the client. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I cannot agree with you more. You're a sharer. You teach and openly yeah. share your expertise and knowledge, which is something else that I, I find so delightful about you, so wonderful about you. What do you say to those who worry that their ideas, what do you say to those who worry that their ideas will be stolen from under them? 
I get this question all the time. And it's like, I can tell you everything that I think and know, you're still not going to do it the same way I am. So um, I've always been about, and we get to the three-legged stool, we're going to talk about the end. Um, I always believe that you just kind of put out what you believe and let people interpret it the way they want to. Um, so I hope that answered that question. Uh, are you confident in that? Or are there times yeah. when you feel like, okay, this might be risky? Earlier in the career, when I was when I was first started speaking, um, yeah, I was a little bit worried about that. And I got a lot of questions back, like, oh, my God, you're giving away all your secrets. Um, and how you look at things, how you design. Because, you know, I, I do that um, design trend seminar every year. At, mm -hmm. I've done it for 25 years at the special event convention. in 25 years, yeah. And so we're literally researching everything that's trending now. Um, and we put it out to them. I, I don't mind sharing those ideas with people. That doesn't mean that they're going to use the idea the same way I am. Mm -hmm. um, and I am about sharing knowledge. So, you know, and it's also from a marketing standpoint, you know, the reason why I've actually been a speaker is because it's put me out in front of hundreds and thousands of people every single year. I got two jobs the last month just from people, one person sat in my seminar in Columbus in 2014. Wow. So, you know, you make an impression and it, it kind of expands people that know who you are and it's actually brought business to me. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Well, and, I, and, I'm about, and I'm also about sharing. So, you know, to me, it, it fulfills me to, to know that people have got something from this and they can create something new, you know, for themselves. What what about during the bidding process? Do you do anything to protect your ideas when you offer them in a proposal? Protecting the ideas hasn't been as essential as it used to be in the early 2000s. I mean, everyone was grabbing ideas and then, then taking that idea and taking it to someone else. Can you do it cheaper? Mm -hmm. um, so... And also, I think because of COVID and actually because of the economic downturn 2018 or 2008 and 2009, the industry changed. And so, you know, DMCs maybe, which I go to all the time because they're the ones that are required by corporations to give them three ideas for opening, three ideas for the main, three ideas, you know, it's like, and you used to have to price all those out. Now there's kind of like a one sheet, like here's an idea, um, a theme. Um, so it, it hasn't, my, the corporation, the clients I'm working with anymore aren't requiring full-blown proposals like they used to, so it's open to interpretation. And mm -hmm. so I'm not really worried about someone stealing one of the ideas from me. Um, like I said, they're never going to do it the same way I do it. Anyhow. Right. Do you still work with third parties or do you go do No, that? I've actually, I've actually, we have one or two DMCs that still work with us because they understand the value of what we bring to the table. Mm. But many of the DMC market, and you know, there, there's a lot of um, entry-level positions mm -hmm. that basically are coming to the vendors and they, they know so little in comparison to what we know mm -hmm. that we find we're just sitting there educating them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, if someone who doesn't have experience gets that game of telephone. I tell you something, you tell someone else, someone else tells someone else, and it's a whole different story by the time it gets there. Many times with with the DMCs, especially the entry level positions, they're not listening to the client. They're taking literal words and missing the mark. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of running around, uh, a lot of, you know, 
your the the wheels spinning in mud, if you will. Right. So we right. we cut them out a while ago because for us it's really important to be sitting with the decision makers to understand exactly what it is that they want to accomplish. Number one, or number one, who is attending? You know, what are the directives that happen? We'd rather be sitting with the marketing people in that boardroom of the corporation because we're we can serve them so much better than being two or three removed. Which we would be with a DMC or um, an event planner um, who's hiring us. But the two DMCs, I would say, the two DMCs that we're working with now, they understand the importance. And when they bring us in, we're usually sitting with them, with the client, listening to everything they're saying. And that's the way to use a vendor is to bring them in from the beginning and not be afraid of any ideas that they may bring to the table. And and you're somebody that undoubtedly has their trust um, to come in and do that. But that's the other side of the coin there, right? You you develop a, yeah. a reputation and you yeah. you know you gain their trust so that they don't they don't feel because they they don't have a product. They yeah. right. So they the the concern there is that you come in and just take the client directly, save the client money, give them more, whatever it is, but there's not a concern. Not with not with the clients are still working with us because they understand my integrity and they understand. Like I've been in the business 34 years now and my company is still on an upward trajectory. That says something for us. That means mm -hmm. that people are not uh, people are are, are are not thinking we're not that we don't have integrity. They, 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 they know we do. And that that is gold in reputation. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, very important to you. Has it always been important to you keeping the integrity of your of your company? And and, oh, yes. and, and and how do you do that? What when is that? When do you actually find that you're you're doing something to make sure that the integrity of your company is solid? Those would be the times where I almost lose my cookies. Um, because if I, if, if someone questions my in integrity, I will go after that and I will, I will not stop until I've stated my case, whether they believe it or not. But, um, the one thing I protect more than anything in my industry and me personally is my integrity, because that's the one thing that people can count on at all times. Um, losing that integrity, you'll lose the industry. You'll lose your friends. You'll lose your clients. Um, we, we instill that within all of our employees and we actually have a set of core values and we put them on the back of our business card. You can't see it constantly talking about believing in professionalism, integrity, and fairness without compromise. They're on the back of here and we actually manage our employees from these sets of core values, which talk about integrity and education and relationship and partnership and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy to 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 act with integrity. Sometimes you have to give things up. Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah. To, to, right. So can you can you share a time when you might have had to do that? I, nothing's coming off the top of my head, um, but there have been many times when we've sat down and talked about what's happening to us. Um, I, I think the one case would be is a client who just kept coming back to us and and changing their opinion with us and then they would go out and find it on their own and say hey i'm going to do this on my own and that's where and i don't know if that's about integrity as much as well it's about, it's about their integrity i don't i won't work with someone who doesn't have integrity either um so i don't have an example for you but it's absolutely front of my mind at all times look you can get away with things but karma is a bitch it will come back <laughs> it will come back at you 
feel the same way. Somebody is going to notice. Somebody is going to say something, and it's not always a fast erosion, but it hap it can happen, and it will happen yeah. if if you don't protect it in many ways. Do you find that the desire for originality is in any way dependent on the economy or emotional status of the nation? In other words, is there more of a desire for originality when the economy is good and uh, people are feeling good? Yes. In fact, that's, I think, coming back from COVID, we were just people were just asking for the things that they hadn't seen four years ago. You know, they wanted to have the same themes and everything else. Now we're starting to say, okay, we've done enough events. What else can you show us? So um, part of our industry has always been showing them something new. I think the only time we got a break on that is coming back out of COVID. Uh, right. But now it's coming back again. Now that they're, now that everyone's working again, they're throwing multiple events. They're bored with the stuff that they loved a few years ago. They want to do. Isn't it interesting how how it changes so drastically from year to year, month to month, uh, practically day to day, the, the national sentiment and how it impacts design? Yeah, not only the national sentiment, but also the tools that are becoming available to us. I never used to design with technology a couple of years ago. I wouldn't think about lighting. I wouldn't think about um, AI. I wouldn't think about, um, you know, all the things that are available to you and now i study them because it's another an, another set of tools in my toolbox that i can bring to them so as as holograms develop as these other things develop then they become available for you to use in your events and to show them something new and different which brings me to the question what are your thoughts on augmented reality and and how it can be used to enhance live events how do you think that's going to fare out I think it will eventually fare out. And, you know, I, I heard in the introduction you talked about that I had actually transfer, uh, uh, transitioned into virtual event design, worked a lot with All Seated and some 3D companies and um, really metaverse type of stuff. As soon as live came back, everyone dropped it instantly and went back to live. However, they realized that they have to reach a bigger audience now. So they are looking at augmented reality or virtual reality as an addition to a live event. But a lot of them are still not at that point yet. A lot of them just wanted to do the live events and, oh my God, are we safe? Can everyone breathe on each other? But now that we're all getting past that initial reticence to meet in person again, now they're looking for augmented reality or other ways to enhance the event even further. Are there any that that you've found or any that you're you're you know percolating on now as this becomes you know, new to us, it's still sort of difficult to quantify in a way yeah. because we, we don't really know what it's going to look like. But have you thought, you know, in your imagination, it would be really cool if we could do this with it, for example? Um, no, the only thing that comes to mind from that question would be hologram is something I'm paying attention to now. And hologram has been around for a long time, but it was uber expensive and not easy to do because you had to have a certain set of circumstances to even make it work and now they're, the technology is increasing and the price is coming down um, so I'm now paying attention to that how can I bring that into a general session how can I bring that into even an event greeting people at the door with someone special hmm. um, so that's what I've been paying on paying attention to recently that and drones because 
now the drawing shows are starting to come down in price. Yeah, it's like now I can actually offer it to clients. It's not a hundred thousand dollars just to a minimum to start that thing. So right, right. those are the technologies I'm paying attention to right now. That's great. I, I wonder myself how uh, artificial intelligence will be used outside of the trade show initially. You know, that seems to be for me the the most uh, logical place for it to start to take life as companies yeah. use it to, you know, showcase their products in more dimensional ways than they can now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, yeah it's, and I don't know if that's necessarily where the expertise of my company is i'm more in the live event but that right that our artificial intelligence i think would be more important for the sale capturing leads that type of thing mm -hmm. which i don't get as much involved with that as i do in the yes. live event experience yes although i do i i am hearing a little buzz about it being used to register people uh facial recognition technology uh, you know, obviously, f um, fingerprint technology mm -hmm. um, to quicken that aspect of of the conference. We are um, actually coming to see Beyonce uh, on Tuesday night in Inglewood. Yes, okay. and and uh, the reason I'm telling the story is because we're staying at the Sonder Lum, which is the one hotel in Inglewood that is. It looks like it was a motor lodge at one point that's been renovated. It's right across the street. In any case, we couldn't, we had to register online because there is no front desk and there are no front desk attendants. So that's how we had to register. It was a, for me, it was a bit of a belabored process. I didn't enjoy having to upload my license and have a photo taken immediately, you know, so that I didn't have to do, you know, check in live. But I do think that's the way we're going. That's the way we're oh, moving, yeah. right? That, technolo that technology really developed during COVID um, because they needed a way to check people in without them being in human contact with each other. So that really going into the hotel industry um, we're seeing that big time there. Mm. I'm not sure how that's going to translate into the live event industry just yet, but I am paying attention. Mm. It's interesting. I asked, uh, I, I went to school last year and I asked one of my uh, instructors where they thought that um, technology would start in our, in our world. I was thinking it would be a corporate move, uh, but the instructor said, no, probably not because there are too many laws about privacy and corporations would be too concerned about using things like facial recognition uh, to register people. I thought that was an odd response, but then she said associations might be more apt to go that route first. Yeah, I had no comments on that. I'm still, this is where I'm starting to show my age. I'm, I don't quite understand it. Hell, I'm not really even sure what all the letters in LGBTQIA stand uh, for. So I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here watching it evolve myself. Um, and I'm not really sure how, I, I would imagine conservative corporations are gonna be really concerned about the privacy aspects of it. And there's others that will want to incorporate it because they want to be known as someone embracing newest technologies. So. Free world. Be interesting to see how it comes out. Right, free world. Right. Yeah. I want to. So, I want to ask something though. I'm sorry, Anthony, because it, it is so prevalent in our world now, and I'm watching a TV show called Hello Tomorrow. I just started it this week, and it's kind of all about this. 
Um, what about the, taking out so much of the human element? What's the impact yeah. there on the live event industry? I think COVID actually answered that question. And it's it's the importance. I think we were all worried about it back in 2010, 2011 of it taking over. The reality is, is there's nothing stronger than, than the bond of human interaction. Um, and it is in those places where most of uh, most deals, most um, bonds are are created. Um, and I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think COVID actually kind of solidified that to go, no, we still need the human connection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, I'm, I'm working with a client now and, uh, you know, part of what I do is help them with their scripting. And we got a script from one of our speakers and it is a very flat script. It feels like the, the speaker will be preaching to the choir, if you will. Uh, mm. And uh, when I mentioned that to the client, they said, oh, yes, they used an AI service to have this written. And it no totally, yeah, and it totally shows. There's no sense of ownership. There's no sense of humanity in it. It's just, it's almost as though he's, uh, the speech is plagiarizing. Exactly. It's just, it's plagiarism. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame. Write it from your own heart. That's the only way you're going to connect with someone if it's coming from your heart and your mind, bingo. not from some Amen. AI chatbot. Bingo, bingo, bingo. Yeah. So what about the metaverse? Will future planners be planning events there? Do you think? Yeah, I think there are some opportunities for especially clients or especially clients who need to reach an audience that's not easily gathered together. Um, you know, when you're thinking about sustainability and, you know, getting on a plane and, you know, the carbon footprint that that has um, involved, I think that you're going to see a lot more events connecting virtually, whether it's in the metaverse as a fully interactive thing or whether it's through zoom or teams or one of these i think that's not going to ever go away because it is an efficient way to work i mean my god i remember having to go to a meeting on the other side of town and it took me an hour to get there and the meeting was 10 minutes and then an hour to get back so way way more time you can save by just actually virtually having those conversations and that that connection can also be created um, for an event and there's enough meaningful tools within the metaverse or these other ways to connect to actually create an impact um, for the messaging you want to get out. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's going to go away, but human interaction is always going to be the most powerful way to create change. And so that's not going to go away. From your mouth to God's ears. Yes. That's what I say. I'm uh, more confident on it now than I ever have been. I mean, it's um, it, it, everyone abandoned. And as I said, I was I was designing all this virtual stuff for for a while, and everyone kind of abandoned it. And went back to live. No one even wanted to talk about it. I mean, like that. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. right. Nobody even wanted to talk about it. Yeah, we still yeah. have two two clients that do virtual series with us, but they're reaching a, an international audience where you can't mm -hmm. fly everyone together. Mm -hmm. So it's a way to connect and keep connected with people, but. You know, even with that, their strategy is let's do one in person a year. So we have that human connection right. too. Well, yeah. and that's, that's just it. I see there's been, uh, as you say, nobody wants to talk about it anymore, but there's still an audience out there 
that is now being not being tapped because of it, you know, and there, you know, because there are ways to use the virtual platform to turn those people into live attending guests or to create a secondary audience and, you know, pump out content to those virtual people at a different mm-hmm. price point in a different time frame, you know, to grow as your client much is further doing, reach, right? Much, much further reach. And, you know, you said it yourself about the metaverse people, uh, you know, uh, sponsors, uh, advertisers, big companies are going to want to find those people and they're going to go where they are. So if they're in the metaverse, that's where these companies will go to reach them. Oh yeah. And well, so- and, and also I think, you know, we live in a different, we live, we're, we're of a certain age and everyone else, uh, everyone we're going to be working for in the future are younger and have grown up with computers. So a metaverse existence is not foreign for them. So as as the beyond the Gen Zs into whatever the next generation is, as they grow up, that's going to become more prevalent. There'll be less human can, there'll be more of that type of metaverse or mm-hmm. virtual events happening. Mm-hmm. And the audience will be more comfortable with it. I don't know right. if I'm completely comfortable with it. Yeah, I think uh, you speak for everyone in our yeah. in our age range. Yes. Yeah. In our 40s, right. Yes. <laughs> 40s. I'm only in my 30s. Quiet. Um, okay. yeah. <laughs> didn't even entertain that, did you? Um, <laughs> you know, when, when COVID hit and we went to virtual, for me, the one of the main reasons for that was so that we could maintain human connection. So I think if we're planning virtual events with that intent and with that in mind, as it's a way to connect in a way we otherwise couldn't, then I think we save the human element as well. Good point. For sure. For sure. Very good point. Yeah. So let's switch topics for a minute. Um, Are you a good leader, David, to consider yourself? A solid leader. Uh, this is where my humbleness comes in. Um, I would, I would like to think I'm striving to always be one. Um, uh, I come from um, a midwestern football family where every one of my every one of my, my father and my brothers were all captains and leaders of their teams. So I kind of had that ingrained in my in my mind in my my psyche for my entire life. Um, but wanting to be a good leader and being a good leader are two different things. So I'm constantly working on my craft, making sure that I, I, I am careful in the way I deliver my messages to my clients, um, uh, and not, uh, my clients, my employees, um, because I'm, I'm going to give away my third, my 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 first of the three-legged stool, and that is you have to be the change you you have to be the change you want to see, um, and so if you're not acting with integrity, if you're not acting with inclusivity, um, kindness, all those things that go along with it, then you can't expect anybody that's working for you to, to do the same. Mm. Really, really good point. It's the way life works. Isn't so it? yes, I, I would like to think I'm a, I'm a really good leader. I strive to be one. There you go. And I'm, con- and I'm constantly questioning whether I could do things better. Your 
employees? Mm -hmm. How do you think they would answer that question? I know how I would, would answer that I would, question. I would, I would hope they would say that, yes, I am a great leader and that I'm very inclusive and that I'm nurturing. That's what I try to be. You should probably get them on your show and ask them. I would love to know in the background. <laughs> but, I would, but I would think that's what they'd say. Well, the fact that you've been in business for so long proves that. And you're self-aware mm -hmm. and self-possessed. I'm super self-aware. Yeah. 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 Like so no one in the business has been in the business like you and I have had. How many years you've been in business? Since 85. So okay. So 30 even something as long as, and the mere fact that there, you still have a thriving business and people are, are, are coming to you means that you're doing something right, that you are kind, that you're inclusive, that you do have original ideas and you're someone that they can trust, which is the most important thing. I think. Yeah. Agree wholeheartedly. And I think the fact that you're striving to be a good leader makes you a good leader because you're focused on it and it's intentional and mm -hmm. you're not just running a company and, you know, expecting people to fall in line. You understand that yeah. uh, they're people and, you know, you, you take it all in. You own and you it. adapt and change, right. which is yeah. important for a leader to recognize when that, when you need to adapt and change to meet everybody's needs. Anthony, you're yeah. very good at that. I want to throw that in. Thank you. Again, yeah, I think just, you and I are very much similar that way. Yeah, just trying to do our best, um, you know, in every situation. And it's not always easy. And some days it's harder than others, I'm sure. You know, that's just the way life is. It's fluid, right? It, it, well, there's many times when I don't want to be a leader. I want to say F you and walk away. Right. <laughs> but I also realize the results of what that would do, what that would do in the results. Right. And so it's important for us to temper <laughs> what we want to say with what we should say. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you have those moments when you think, I don't want to think, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> just give me, give me some direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. As, as owners, you don't really have that direction or someone to go to. Um, you have to basically come up with the ideas and, and the decisions in your own mind. Um, this is one of the things I missed about ILEA, that it, it breaks my heart that it's, it's really kind of falling apart. That was the one place I could go to to ask my peers what are their opinions and what they would do in these situations. And that's kind of falling away, which is a little bit sad. Yeah, it is Because really we do sad. kind of all live in these little silos. Mm -hmm. And that's not how the industry is going to build and and get better, you know. No. by us being in our little silos for sure yeah so is there anything you aspire to that you haven't done yet maybe a client that you haven't worked with or a place you'd like to work or is there something that you know that north star is still there shining waiting for you um well i've always wanted to i always wanted to do the governor's ball so i have to wait till sequoia productions is out for that to possibly happen um, but I've always wanted to have a franchise, an event that happened from year to year to year, whether it was a citywide event or something else, something where I knew it was solid and steady and we can continue to grow it on the successes of last year, learning from the mistakes. So I have not found that event yet, although we do have a few irons in the fire and some things we're looking at now. Um, but that would be the ultimate goal to find that yeah. one event that was a franchise event. That you could really create based on on uh you know not having to listen to a client maybe like you can have a little bit more say so in the design and feel yeah. and direction well that's not the reason i mean i, I do quite enjoy a client tell me what they want to try to accomplish and then working with them to do that but 
this industry doesn't have a lot of loyalty. Um, there's no five-year contracts for what we do. And so even if your last job with them is amazing and, oh, my God, you hit it out of the water, there's 20 different reasons why you may not get it back next time. And so there is a constant marketing that you have to do to not only maintain your business, but grow your business. And um, it would certainly change if we had the ability of getting three-year contracts with corporations. There's no corporations that do that. In fact, they even the AV companies that used to have these four or five-year contracts, they don't even do those anymore. So the industry kind of sits on this edge of, you know, you always have to think for your last supper. And, and hopefully that song is going to get you your next supper, mm-hmm. but there's no guarantees on that. So this is one of the reasons why I was always thinking a franchise event, something that without year after year, you build upon the success, make it even better and keep growing it. And you can't do that with, with corporate events or your corporate clients. I, I unless they're on board with you. Unless they're on board with you. No. I, I have, I have the same, uh, the same dream of having ownership over you know, a yearly event. Uh, and I think what stops me is the, the, uh, what's the, the process of just get building it and getting it to yeah. a point where it is profitable because it takes several years to get any event to that point, right? It takes yes. commitment and that money still flowing in, whether it's sponsorship or, you know, whatever it is to get it in to, to make sure you can sustain it. Right. But there are client, there are people out there that want to create a franchise experience that need a production company or an entertainment company like us. And so that's where you get ingrained in this because they couldn't do it on their own. Mm-hmm. They just have they just have the backing, they have the marketing to bring the people to the location. The things that we don't do, you right. know, attracting people to it, they have that part. And that's good. I, I there there are clients out there that are looking to create these signature events. I mean, look at the explosion of all the, the concerts, Coachella. Um, South by Southwest. Those are all franchises that 10 years ago didn't even exist. It's true. True that. Yeah. All right. So we, uh, we've we come to the, the what I call the nitty gritty. I always say it every, the, the same way every week, the nitty gritty. So I feel like I need to say it again that way. It's stupid. I know. Uh, just five questions we call the Bolotified Five. <gasps> the Bolotified Five. <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. Yes. All right. What is your golden rule? The golden rule for me is very simple, and that is treat everybody with kindness. Treat everybody the way you want to be treated at all times. What we learned in grade school. Uh, And many people, most people don't practice. Right, right. Okay, so let's go to the three-legged stool. Three-legged stool, the three tenets that I live by. Yes. The one is the first one I had mentioned before is be the change. The only way mm-hmm. I'm going to be a good leader is if I'm actually acting the way I want them to act. So it's really important that I'm always um, a hard worker, kind, inclusive, all these things. You have to be that change to actually expect the fo- the, 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 the group that you're leading to follow you. Um, that would be number one. The second one, the second one is it's about ripple effect. Everything we do as a business owner, everything we do as a producer has a ripple effect. Every decision you make will affect something else. If you're not thinking down to what decision will do to something else and that ripple effect that's created, 
then you shouldn't be making a decision. Mm -hmm. So I'm always paying attention to the ripple effect and thinking ahead what this decision means to other things that may be affected by it or other people that may be affected by it. Um, and the third one, I think is summed up by the saying, be careful, the toes you step on today could be connected to the ass you have to kiss tomorrow. <laughs> and I could give I could give you a whole bunch of reasons for that, but this is probably the reason why you and I are still in this business after 34, 35 years, and everyone still loves to work with us. We're still in an upward trajectory because we have been kind and inclusive to everybody. One of the first things I teach my producers is when you go into the ballroom, make friends with everybody on the floor because you will attract more bees with honey than you will with anything else. Make sure that everyone there is, 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 is buying into who you are and that you're not stepping on any toes. And the reason for that is I wanted to be in the business for a long time. You could step on toes and probably never see those people again, but if you wanna be in this industry for a long time, it's a small industry. Mm -hmm. Those people whose toes you stepped on are now in positions of power and they're gonna remember. So those are the three-legged stool, three tenets for me. Three tenets. Could, could I just comment on the second one, the ripple effect? Yes, yes. So well put. Um, mm -hmm. I, I contend mm -hmm. that most people don't realize the effect of what they say and what they do as though they live in silos and they can say and do anything, but it's not going to impact anyone. And yeah. that is just not the way life is. Everyone yeah. impacts somebody, right? So yeah. it's about being owning, owning what you say and what you do and the fact that it will have impact somewhere, somehow. Mm -hmm. I, and it will, it will ultimately change something that's going to come after it. Mm. So, you know, how are you affecting the change of whoever that's going to receive that, <laughs> that uh, decision? So, so this isn't one of the five, the lot of five, five, I, I apologize, but I, I, I'd like to ask Go you at, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, what is it that you hope people will say about you or feel about you? I would, I would hope that um, the sentiment with everyone's the same and that Dave was a great guy. He was very inclusive and everyone liked me. Mm. And that's really how I live my life all the time is, is I'm more concerned about everyone else's feelings many, many times than my own, but I'm also very quick to make sure that I'm checking to make sure that I'm, whatever those feelings are, I have to um, basically, um, how do I put this? I have to live with all those. I have to live with what everyone else is saying. So you have mm. to decide whether you know, whether other people's impression of you are going to be important or not to me, it is important because it makes me a great leader is what they think of me. If they don't like me, they're not going to follow me. Is this something you if, learned? Is it, is this something you were taught as a child? You know, you said you come from a football family. So the impression that I get is you're a winning family. Win, 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 win. I'm just making yeah. an assumption. So you, that that sentiment came from from my impression of my mom growing up because i remember my mom was always someone that everyone loved her she was always kind to everyone that no one had a bad thing ever to say about her and they all just held her in high regard and i always remember as a kid growing up into high school thinking that's how i want to be 
I've always lived my life that way. And there are times I, I have to assume that you, 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 you might have to set yourself down and, and talk through some things that you, so that you do respond in the way, in a way that's appropriate for you in a way that yes. it's not, that doesn't always come so easy, right? There are times when you really do have to no. take a step back and say, what do I want from this? What, what am I trying to accomplish here? The 20 and 30 year old me would have spoken their mind instantly. Yeah. The 40 and, and the 40 year old, I haven't gotten in my fifties yet. Uh, the 40 year old, uh, thinks before they speak thinks about the ramifications of what you're saying and 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 is this really what you and what you want to create is this your intention for what you're going to say mm. so i'm way more careful in the way i i present everything nowadays um and that's that's the wiser older me i think and and may i ask is it are you happier these days oh yes oh yes um, happier i don't let things bother you as much um um i think lighter. i'm in a place a little lighter yes but yes most of the time i it's, I, it's been a little heavy the last couple of weeks for me or last couple of months for me i don't know if you know what happened but no. um my 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 warehouse burnt to the ground on june 7th oh um, my gosh when i was and so i've been it's been a little heavier now because we're trying to dig out of it and figure out what's the next steps Oh but yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot of people knew about that. But yeah, my warehouse burned to the ground, fire. Um, the first day of, an, of a five-day series of events, we were all in Tucson, except for two of my employees. Oh, and so the heaviness now comes back from how do I build back? Um, and I've learned a lot of, there's a lot of silver linings in it uh -huh. and a lot of, uh, a lot of mind games. <laughs> so it's been a roller coaster re recently, but you know, that's when you reach out and get help from a counselor to kind of like get you back on a, a proper path. So while I've been a little heavier recently than normal, I try to always strive to say, to keep myself light and loose, like you were mentioning. Um, we all what's have our one, challenges, right? What, what's one silver lining that, that comes from that horrific circumstance? Here's an interesting thing, you know, because many years I started as a caterer and then I went into event design production and we build our own sets. We have a build shop. We had our own lines of furniture. We had tons of props, 25,000 square foot warehouse in downtown LA. Um, I was forced to get rid of that or I, I made the decision to get rid of that during COVID because we all got our rounds of PPP. Well, the first round of PPP, you had to bring all your employees back. It's like, great, I have all my employees back, but I have no business. What the hell am I going to do? So I liquidated my warehouse and actually... Um, brought in the thub renter. I didn't realize that I was actually creating my value from the stuff of my warehouse. Now I'm realizing that clients don't care what's in my warehouse. They're actually, they're actually, they're actually want to know how I think. So there's been a, a huge value in all these. The, the silver line is now that I don't have that warehouse. We have the next six months of events tied up and working just fine without that warehouse. That's the other reason why I'm in my closet right now is because I have employees downstairs uh, because right now, currently, they're in my house, but we're going to find another place. But do I have to build back the same? No, I don't. And I actually realized that clients, the, the silver line is clients are actually coming to me for my ideas and my design and not what's in my warehouse. Right. And and maybe so that's some, one of them. Maybe in some way that was blocking, suggesting, because when you're 
when you're designing, it's possible that your mind would go to what do I have in the warehouse? But Always now you, Always now you don't have that. Now you don't have anything no. to go to. So it's like a fresh. No. Wow. Yeah, it's actually made us a better designer because obviously if you want to be profitable, you go with the stuff you have first. And so that stuff would be recycled over and over. Now I don't have that luxury, but you know, we've, we've actually structured ourselves. So our profitability remains the same than, than it ever did before. Great. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of other silver linings too. There are definitely some mind mind games that have been playing with me all my, all my credit and um, for the company and me personally was, was hacked because when you burn a computer, the hard drive inside still there. So the people went in and grabbed all our hard drives. And so I've been going through one day, uh, two weeks ago, I had a call from a guy in Long Beach. He's like, Hey, I know you don't know me, but um, there's about 70 to a hundred of your checks floating down Long Beach Boulevard. <laughs> and it was already a canceled, a canceled um, account. Um, account, but that what a mind mess that is. And then someone actually went and cashed one of those checks. It wasn't, we didn't, we weren't liable for it. But still. So that kind of, that's the kind of stuff that just messes with your mind. It's like, I want to get beyond God. that stuff. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. All so that it's been, out. Yeah. But the silver lining of this is, is actually allowing me to completely change the companies in the ways I always wanted to, but was strapped. I didn't because I had too much of an investment in IT or I had mm -hmm. too big a, I had, um, a lease that was going to be another five years. Well, I don't have that lease anymore. So now I can do whatever I want. Right. So, yeah. So there's been some right. silver linings. Well, you know, it's like, I think it's the way that you look at things, mm -hmm. right? The glasses, you find the silver linings, you have to find yeah. them. They don't always yeah. appear. So, wow, David, the, all I can say is that which does not kill us makes us stronger um, because that <laughs> is, yeah. and then, and then to have, the additional thing happened of people pilfering your your information that's after such a tragedy. Mind, yeah. That's the hard part, right? Because, yeah. yeah, wow, especially when you try to be kind and put goodness into the world, and then you question why this is happening. But yeah, yeah, well, it, it, but but it seems that we're seems that we're getting to the end now. We're more in right. the okay. How do we build back? What are we going to do next? The good news is, is after that fire. We actually got busier. We've had business flooding in the doors and we've been able to accommodate it virtually. Wow. Yeah. Well, good for you. Good. I'm I'm glad That's to hear amazing. it. Really good. Thank you. Wow. And um, when you don't have a, when you don't have an office, you have less overhead. Did you know that? <laughs> I was like, oh, so I don't have this billing bar. Oh, I got more profitable. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, I I don't think that could have that that. I would not have reacted the same if I hadn't gone through the evolutions I did over the years, because a fire was only one way that I've been knocked down. We were all knocked down by COVID. The industry mm -hmm. was really killed. Uh, my business and your business was uh, around during the 2008, 2009 economic downturn and the real estate bust that happened. That was significant in knocking us off our feet and then having to build back. You and I were also in business during 9-11 and 9-11 also knocked everyone off their feet. Mm -hmm. So we've been... We are like cockroaches. You cannot yes, kill us. That's right. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what is the one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Do you do something breakfast. daily? Breakfast. Ah. I have to have breakfast every morning or I just, I can't, I can't start it. And to me, that's the most important thing I can do. Um, 
I would say the other daily routine is trying to work out a stretch. Mm. I'm not doing it as much as I would like to, but I, I know I need to do it more. Okay. We're going to call you every morning. Please do. It'll put the pressure on me. That's right. When no one is (laughs) listening, what are you telling yourself? I need a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I'm, I'm constantly, there's that balance between work life and, and home life. And when we went into COVID, it was all about home life. There was no work life. So now when you come back, we're working so much that I'm starting to forget that I need to pay attention to my own needs. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly battling with myself. Are you, are you making sure you, you set a time, a time, set aside time for yourself? Like one of the habits I have now is I make sure that four o'clock on Monday and Wednesday and Friday, you can't get a hold of me because I'm going to the gym. I would never have done that before. I would have waited to six or seven at night when everyone was done. But now I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be more conscious on making sure I'm whole. Yeah. You know, you, if you're not whole, then it's hard for you to do all the other things that you're doing, right? Especially it's really as a hard. leader or a creative. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what is one change you'd like to see in the world? Less partisanship. Um, you know, I, I, this, all this craziness that happened has even divided my family up and I, and it kills me. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, there is, you're on one side or the other and there's no just there's no common ground anymore and it really is important that we all start sitting down and realizing that you may not may may not agree with what the neighbor believes but there's still commonality there and there's a reason to be connected mm-hmm. and that's what i think has been the saddest thing recently in the world is that we seem to be coming more and more separated from each other yeah there seems to be this thing called my rights my rights instead of this idea yeah. of shared rights yeah and the you know the fact that to have freedom you give up a little bit of those rights for sure i think empathy is a lost is a lost uh mm-hmm. um uh tool for the for the human race i yeah. think they really need to think about more empathetic um thinking agreed and and compromise i would add to that people yeah. feel like they don't need to for some reason or it's not worth i don't understand that compromises yeah. is how you know we live with one another basically you give up a little yeah. and you get a little more of something else well i think we also all need to realize that just because you may gain something doesn't mean i've lost something it just leaves right. for a more equal footing now yeah right absolutely right so what is your why? What gets you going? What keeps you going? What's that thing inside you that makes you tick? Hmm. What is my why? That's a, that's a, was that even on the list? Um, what is my uh, why? I'm very sneaky. You are. None of these things are on the list. All right. So these are off the top of my head. Um, I'm not exactly sure how I understand. I'm not understanding the question. What is my why? What is your reason for doing what you do, for living the way that you live? What is the underlying why Happiness. of your life? Happiness. It's important to be happy. You know, I don't want to go through life being bitter. or, or um, And so my entire consciousness is, am I happy? Are the people around me happy? So it's really about going through life and, and being lighthearted and not heavy with distractions or 
lack of empathy. Don't have that, please. We don't need any more lack of empathy in this no. world, as you said. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry it was so sneaky today. I, I guess it's just <laughs> I love in it. my blood. <laughs> I but love it. And anytime for you. You're a beautiful, thank you. You are a beautiful human mm-hmm. being on yes. top of being thank a very you. talented man. And uh, if there's anything that we can do to help you through the Thanks. fire, uh, please let us know. I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about friendship. So mm-hmm. thank you. Out. I appreciate that. We're here. Yeah. We're, we don't have any props or anything, but we're here. We'll give you props. You know what? It's, it, it's the support from friends like you that really is the most important thing for me right now. So I appreciate that. Well, you have that in spades. Uh, and you know the, the, the impact that you've had on the industry, I'm sure that you have it in spades far beyond what, what we give you right here. Because uh, like I said earlier, you share... Uh, you're you're not afraid to help people, and that comes back in, in spades, definitely. Thank you for thank being you. who you are, and thank you for representing yes. so yes. well. My pleasure. Really, and thank you it. for your kindness too, and uh, the permission to stalk you. <laughs> you're always welcome to stalk. <laughs> Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Stay engaging.